before we even begin, I just want to share two stories that I have uh, about this finding your way. Um, it's been quite disruptive for everyone uh, in commuting, and uh, I'm counting my blessings to be able to walk to work. But uh, my sister, her home was, she's in Agura, and her home was up to the edge, up to this edge. And yes, so frightening. And now they're, they're cleared out, and they're, they're, they're well. They, they've been staying at my folks. But um, when the fire reached the edge, it was the most disconcerting because... It was potentially disastrous as far as losing everything. And so um, the stress and the trauma is so deep there. But then I want to share another story of someone. I was at Caruso uh, just preparing for our David Suisa event, which was so powerful, so interesting. So I was with Rick and a woman. uh, Her name's Janelle. She lives in Malibu. I didn't know her, but she's a congregant, and she was talking with Rick about some something, and uh, Rick's, how, how are you? She said, and perfectly sanguine, I lost my home. My home burned down. But what was so striking was almost a zen-like calm, and I don't think it was denial. I don't think she was. She said, I lost a lot of stuff. My children are well. I'm not unwell. There's a lot to sort out. But it was this, I've been feeling incredibly displaced and I haven't lost anything. And yet people who actually lost everything have this incredible sense of presence. And I'm turning to Jacob here because I think this story is very much one of displacement and security. And I found that to be a tremendous irony, that the closer people are to trauma, it's as if when you see someone facing illness and they're in the illness, sometimes they have this incredible power and ability to be almost prophetic in their calm and blessing. But when you're out in the periphery of that, how challenging and difficult it is because you're afraid either you're next or that uh, there's something that could be chasing after you. And this is where I see... Uh, Jacob in this moment. So we're in chapter 28 and verse 10. And this feeling of fleeing and this almost, don't want to get political here, but this almost refugee status. Let's just take a moment. We're in chapter 28, verse 10, uh, or or page 159 for those that uh, paginate. Where are we leaving here? What, what, what just happened? And you're in the triennial, so you read the very end of this last Parsha. What was the very end of this story right before this? Anybody? What was the... What is the precipitation of him leaving Miber Sheva? There you go. This is the Esau and Jacob uh, prayer. And Rebecca is very scared for her son. She's kind of manipulated this switch, switched blessing and says, go be with my brother up in Haran. Now, this isn't like Palisades go, you know, just go down the street to Santa Monica. Haran is in Turkey or Mesopotamia. And Beersheba, if we know right in the desert, we are far from the south. So it is a literal geographic journey. And but the metaphor of Be'er Sheva. So just think about Be'er Sheva. What is uh, Be'er, a well? So it's a well. 
and Sheva. This is where the seven wells. So these really places of stability, places of gathering. And Jacob is in the midst of these two places. Uh, and it's so important in the Hebrew that it says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran in the English. Yaakov Shava So I just want to be clear here. Jacob was leaving security. Jacob was leaving stability. He had been blessed by his father. He was afraid, and Rebecca was afraid. They fled. This is actually the story, the mice I just heard from somebody about Topanga. Leave the house, not leave the house. Will you be okay? Will you not be okay? And Jacob is really traumatized by both the blessing. He's traumatized by the blessing. He's traumatized by the fact that his father, Yitzchak, gave him this empowerment to say, you will be a blessing to everyone. Does he feel that blessing? He's actually petrified from it. And he flees Harana. And what does Harana mean? Not for Haran. It's Harana means towards. It's a locative. He's just going towards. And I remember this uh, when I was fleeing an earthquake. I just tried to drive as far away from the epicenter as possible with my kids. Have you ever felt that? It's just... You're in literally almost a, a caravan of fleeing. And this is the insecure space that he's in. Very locative, very moving. And then we have the next line. Now, again, I, God forbidding English get in the way of Torah. Coming upon a hard paren. Do you see where I am here? First line. Page 159, chapter 28, verse 10. Uh, verse 11 now. Coming upon a uh, certain place. Vayivka bamakom. Two words in Hebrew substituted by, what, seven words here in English, which tells you we're missing something. Um, do you want me to, where, uh, do you need a, a, a Torah? No, no, I can take a Torah. I love these things travel. And Torah is portable. And we're talking about portable Torah. Thank you. And it's a great thing. Thank you so much. Of course. And welcome, everyone. So what is Bamakom? Let's just, let's talk about Makom for a second. Mark, what is a Makom as a metaphor? Anyone? Okay. It's a place. Well, sometimes it's used for God, isn't it? Ah, okay. Have you ever heard after someone has passed... May this space comfort you. Has anybody heard that phrase? Hamakom is actually a name for God. And it's in particular a name for God when it's not so easy to use God's name. He's not feeling God's presence. But means he was struck coming upon a certain place. It's almost too directive. He's not finding a spot. He was struck. Now, has anybody, and this is, I'm just going to open this up, has anybody almost been petrified to the extent that they cannot move and they need to figure out where they're at? I'll give you a story. Oh, yes? Okay, tell me. Do do you want to give some context to, no, okay. But I'll, I'll give you my cousin. My cousin, she was having a panic attack, okay? She needed to stop in the middle. She pulls off on the side of the road. She's breathing, she's breathing. She was struck by this place. 
So what is the implication here in the first two lines? He's fleeing. He has no idea. Of course, he's going to Laban, his, his mother's brother's place, but he's not really going there. He's just running away. And what does Makom do? What does God, really, the place do? Strikes him. You've got pigua is actually in Hebrew in a, like a, an attack. Okay, so I just want to say he had a panic attack. He had a panic attack. He's running, he's running, he's running. He's getting, you're, you're so intense. You're like, go, 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 go. Stop. All right, so this is an aside. My cousin, she, she had a panic attack. She gets to the side of the road. She's like, I got to get to the hospital. I got to get to the hospital. She's really driving, driving. I just got to get to the hospital. She gets to the hospital. It says $14 parking for the first 15 minutes. She says, I'm not crazy. I'm just a little. She's like, I feel much better. I, I love that story. God bless her. Yeah. I know you're getting there, and we'll get there, but part of, not the end of this story, but kind of for me, the, the, the exclamation point at the end is when Jacob is going to wake up and says, God was in this hamakom, and I didn't know it. So there's, there's that other connection we'll get to. The it's, Lord not just like, it's not just any place. Or is it? See, Maybe it is everywhere. And this is the blessing. So that is really this question. Where are we running from? Where are we going to? I know a lot of people who stayed in their place because they felt this was their place they needed to be. My brother-in-law ran back to his house and helped put out embers of neighbors because he needed to be in that place. But what God is telling us directly is, don't spin out. You can travel, you can move, you can have direction, but what you can't do is simply, uh, well, just be spinning. Not with a, a direction. Which was, you know, I was watching the midterm elections last week, or not watching, but just following, 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 and the recounts and all of this spinning, spinning. What does that mean? Five percent, two point five percent? Is it mechanical or manual? Nathan says, "What are you going to do about that, my son? What, what are you going to do, whether it is or it isn't? So, what good is that if you can't change that matter?" What good, what a wise, wise child. I have friends in Malibu who lost everything, and they sent out an email to all their friends saying, we look at this as a new beginning. We're starting over. And they didn't spin out. They were very calm. It's tremendous, the spiritual power. And I would say the same thing for grief, not just homes, but grief. People that are directly in grief, and you see their... their I don't know the other word, but sanguine. This, and they go through the stages of grief with this kind of loss that you do with the loss of a life. Very much. First anger, and then I've forgotten all the stages, and then bargaining, denial, denial, right? Yeah, I have a whole. We could teach a whole class on Kubler Ross and how she went back and forth at the end of her life. Very challenging. This complication because what's the difference between acceptance and denial? Who knows? Because you could just go on another round. And I would say that Jacob goes back and forth. Let's, uh, I know, we're two lines in, it's already quartered. <laughs> so he lied down. Because the son had left. And 
and he took the stones of the place now it says that taking one of the stones he made his head rest as he lay down in that place there are debates rabbinic debates what is he doing with this series of stones does anybody know architecture what was before the Egyptian pyramids what was before? Right before the pyramids were these, uh, it's called Mastaba on Mastaba. They're ziggurats that are these collections of platform on platform on platform. Or as you're walking or hiking in Topanga, have you ever seen that series of... This is a ritual moment. I, it doesn't make any sense he's making a pillow out of stones. For me. Aren't there other places where altars are made out of stones? We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Matseva, yes. Why wouldn't it be that he just took it for his focus? I mean, when I was in Papua New Guinea, that's, they took a stone, and that's how they... Stole. Well, if you see the ritual... Yes, and you can see in Mesopotamia, altars and headrests are like that. The Chinese still do that. So it's very possible... Pillow, but Jacob's pillow. It's ironic. And it's also very powerful that this is, a, in some ways, a dream altar. I mean, if you think about this, because he's setting up an intentional space to create a dream altar. And this is how I see. So we always talk about the ladder, and I think of the ladder. I don't know. I don't think that's what it is. He's created a portal divine platform. This is what we were talking about. Mesopotamia. He's going towards Mesopotamia, you know, Babel, right? Bab-el is the gate of God, and this was the way that you create this portal. He's also placing himself on an altar, much like his father was placed on an altar. Oh, that's very powerful. That's very powerful. And so, too, he is not being sacrificed, but he is really up on the... But he's opening himself up to whatever might come down upon. Yeah. And so he says, Vaishkav Bamakom Hahu. And he lay down in that very place. It's being very specific that he has set up this kind of ritual. Okay, altar pillow. But when I think pillow, I think comfy cozy. I'm like, is it down or is it, you know? <laughs> but no, he's doing a very particular thing here and creating his own kind of new rite that is not uh, sacrifice. Or just think about the last blessing that he just got, which was this father to son, quick to change it, like the reversal. So maybe it's this personal empowerment in the midst of his own spinning. So he was really struck in this place. And I just take the Hebrew word here, he dreamed. Do you see? It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful word, just uh, orthography, the shape of it. So I want you to look four lines down. It doesn't matter if you read Hebrew or not, okay? Four lines down, yes? Do you see the last word in the sentence? It's the first word. Okay. Twelve. <laughs> Twelve. Just that first word. Now just... Yes. So, okay, the first one is the Vav. That's just the line. The second one is the Yud. But look at Halom. What do you see in the orthography, in the shape of the Chet? Last... The last... Word, fourth line. What is halom? You see a home. I see two windows 
And the Lamed is this ascension. Halom chalamti. And now for me, it is the first is an open chet. Okay, so maybe I'm getting a little Kabbalistic here, but in the orthography itself, halom is this window of opportunity. Then there's the Lamed, which la is a locative, which in Hebrew literally is two. The chet. There's, right, an opening. There's an ascension. And then there's this mem, this sealed concrete window that returns us back. There are two dots around the lump. Well, that's just the, that's the trope. That's the trope. But, isn't that a dream? It's this mystery, and the Talmud says, every dream that is uninterpreted, I love this, is like a letter that isn't read. Every dream uninterpreted is a letter unread. I mean, think about the stacks of letters you have, let alone remembering your dreams. And I just, I'll take a a five second, please keep a journal by your bed, because you're always, you forget them so quickly and they just disappear. If you have your, your journal, like you have your book by your bed and you have your glass of water. If you keep that journal and you just start jotting down, they become clearer and clearer and patterns emerge and you have your entire own uh, Yaakov experience. Yeah. If you're focusing on the orthography, you also have, I mean, even though it's a trope, you can also have, since it's a ladder, you've got, you've got dots on either side, of, so you've got one of them, it's like an angel going up, and the other's an angel going up. And then again, so then, the next, next word, and behold, sulam, a ladder, look at the sulam, very similar, as halom, sulam, they sound similar, so that the ladder and the dream is this ascension and dissension. Now, I don't see ladder. I actually see ziggurat. I see this platform of ascension. So that halom and sulam are very much the same. That the, la- that the dream is a ladder to God. Now, I'm not getting Freudian here. I'm just saying that the dream is a ladder to God. You can be well, and that no one would agree with you about the dreams. It's the greatest form of analysis there is. Oh, there's well, yes. And self-analysis. Yes. Listening to what your brain is doing. The hine, yeah, and 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 the mystery is in the interpretation. That's why this later Yaakov and his, you know, his son Joseph. Why that is such an empowerful section. The visual form of the word. Yes. There's also an art form that Cecile and I just studied last week in a group called Concrete Poetry, where poetry is written in the shape of the subject. Oh, no, I absolutely love it. In the shape of the subject that you're writing about. Wow. Oh, calligrams. And it's really amazing. Yeah. The Song of the Sea in the Torah. Well, this, it looks like the oceans yes, or the two columns. Like yeah. It looks like bricks. There's so many. And I would just recommend Jewish micrography, it's called. It is the Hebrew characters in the shapes of the very things that they're doing. And it is, there's arguments that that is a exclusively Jewish art. There is some calligrams in Arabic, but micrography to do that. Have you ever seen this? The really small letters that when you, you come back and you see, you have one in, there's, you see the picture, but it's actually all writing. Look at our, our Kodesh. Oh, no question. In the sanctuary, too, we form those letters to serve a purpose, but they're 
There are Hebrew letters all over the ark. So now let us continue here. We're verse 12. We've gotten two verses in. <laughs> so, Mutzav is this Nitzav is stand upright. It is a pillar, Matseva, what Bert alluded to as an altar. It is a pillar, it is an altar, and it means to stand, but to stand upright. This is a direct. Uh, opposite of him spinning out. He was struck and he had to stand there. And when someone is having a panic attack, what is the first thing that you need to have them do? Stand and breathe. This is the Sulam that's standing. Just wait. He's flat. Just wait. Just wait. He's he's dreaming. Right, he's dreaming. But this Matseva is this standing upright. Mutzav Arza, it's firmly planted in the ground. Verosho Magia Mashamayma. How does they? How do they say? With its top reaching to heaven. That is not true. It's just not true. He says in the first line, verse ten, Vayelecharana, towards Haran, which means he's not there. He's just going that way. So technically, when it says Hashamayma towards heaven, it's just going up. It doesn't say that it reaches, the way I read the English is, its top reaches to heaven, which is always thought, because the next line is, these angels are coming up and down heaven. But I don't read it that way. I just see it as this upward movement of this, uh, of this uh, ziggurat pillow. I know these are a lot of new terms. And behold, and the workings, see, no, angels of God going up and down. I could teach a whole other, I thought about it, teaching class on angels and wings and all of that, cherubim versus cherubs, and I, I don't want to talk about it. What is melacha? Work. And the work of God is going up and down. DreamWorks. I can't... Okay, now just disclaimer, you don't know me so well. I mean, we're getting to know each other. I don't believe in angels. I think it, it deprives my agency of my own gifts. We are, And I could call you an angel. But it's very much like, you know, the angel investor. Like he just kind of drops and then drops out. But Melachei Elohim, Elohim are works of God are going up and down on it. It's trying to explain dream mechanics. You're intentional. You set up that space. And it's so true, by the way, in dream mechanics that it's very important. There's a new book coming out on dreams. Did you Sunday review? She wrote a beautiful piece on how important dreams are and to take them seriously. You have to set up yourself for healthy dreaming, in a sense. I mean, this is actually one of the reasons I, I think it's sad when people with so much uh, medications and alcohol to pass out, you miss the most valuable part of your sleep, not only just health-wise, but all of the beautiful dreams that are, are less crystal. Uh, it's harder to remember when, you, when you're famish. You sleep, you get to bed, but you're missing the support. So has anybody heard that interpretation? That's a new one. That's a, that's a Rabbi Hyman. 
Is that angel interpretation? The, just the workings of God is up and, and down on it. Adds to that. Okay, but no, but I'm challenging this, Elena. That it, they're not messengers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know that's the original, I mean, that's the traditional interpretation is because it's not God. Although, so these little, woohoo, here I go up and here I go down. And then there's a, so much midrash on this. Add, add to your interpretation that they're starting on earth. Absolutely. So what's the irony here? If they're messengers, why would it be olim v'yordimbo? Why are they going up and then down? Well, their messages are going up and down. And I think they're angels, but they're right here. Well, it could also be what goes up is what you want and what comes down is what you need. That's the metaphor. That's definitely. But if they're angels, why do they start down here? Because it has to start with your intentionality. You can't be you can't be you can't be given your intentions. You can't be given what it is that you need to do. You may you, you need to want to do something. You may think you want to do something. Yeah. And what you end up getting is what you ought to be doing. And Perhaps. The ground, it's earth. They're starting on earth. Which is definitely part of this prayer. It's definitely setting us up for a earth-grounded, heavenly-directed relationship. Meaning grounded in the now, up, and then back down. But my challenge is, instead of thinking about these winged creatures that are like, whisper, whisper, these are actions. This is divine action of... And this is absolutely Kabbalistic. The energies from below are trying to reach the energies from on high. It's also very reconstructionist that there's a bit of the divine in, in everybody. Those angels are within everyone. The magical aspect of uh, the angels does not resonate personally with me. Dreams, the power of our own agency when I slow down enough to try to register that is a very powerful force. Adonai, and behold, now I'm on a low. Okay, 13. You see where I am? And lo, hine. Adonai nitzav elav. So, Adonai stood up above it. Huh? A little anthropomorphic. A little. Now I want to get back to the Hebrew. Do you see where I am? We're just on this turn of this page. Adonai stood up above it. Why? But but why the anthropomorphism? Why is it above it? Just just read it out, Bert. Because if it's above it, what does it mean that God can't be standing on a ladder or standing on the top of the ziggurat? But let's just be clear in Mesopotamian theology, this is exactly the platform of the gods. They would set this altar up so that the pantheon, plural, could. But that is not the Hebrew. First of all, hine is, and behold, it is something tangible. Adonai nitzav elav. It says alav. God stood alav. On it. On it or I love. On him. Okay. <laughs> now. <laughs> behold. Low. They say low. Yo. Absolutely. Right. He ne- presence. Boom. God is 
And so back to this mutzav, back to this stone, it's not a pressure, but the, it's open that God is both on top of this and on top of him. On top is wrong. It's not an anthropomorphism. I don't, and I, it's just not is sexual the stood, in the slightest. Is the stood anthropomorphic? It is, is that the right for the Hebrew? It says in English stood, which clearly is like a person physical is standing presence. with two legs. There is a physical presence, but a matseva is a, is a marker, marked. Uh, established. It's hard. It's hard. It's not standing. In English, if I would say, it's not legs. God was ab- right. If I say God was above, that's different from saying God is standing. Well, this is why I think because of the anthropomorphism and the risk, that's why they translate it as God stood up above it. But the Hebrew is the opposite. Maybe the stood is like you stand for something. You represent something. But you could say also it's like position was position. Above. And and where is he? And where is this divine position? He is, it is. He's being struck by, or it's very simple, meaning he is having a divine dream. He is totally being inhabited by. This isn't like something's floating around. He's he's having theophany. Because God's about to talk. And it's not... And I just want to say clearly, just as these angels can be metaphors, this God is not a metaphor. It is absolutely crystal clear to Yaakov, boom, I'm having this moment, this space, as, as Bert mentioned, we're going to hear that in a moment. And what does God say by Yomer? Ani Adonai Elohei Avraham Avicha. I, Adonai, am the God, and now we're on uh, chapter 28 Verse 13, we turn the page, one six, top of the page. I, Adonai, am the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, the land, the land on which you are lying, I will give to you and your children. I just want to take a moment. Where is he in the middle? Where is he right now? Towards Mesopotamia. Is this the land that he was supposed to be given? No, it's unclear where he is. He's like in a certain place, just somewhere. So the irony right here is <laughs> you are going to make it here. And someone actually thinks, oh, Cleveland, this must be where I need to make my land. I got that dream. No, you missed the point. Yaakov misses, and he often misses the point, and he's blessed. I will give it to you and your children. And will be your seed like the dust of the land, of the earth. And you should spread out. This beautiful kind of sporific diaspora. Okay? This is the difference between exile and diaspora. But if you're going to spread out in all four directions, where you start out doesn't really matter. Maybe, and I think that's implicit in this this point. Because if it truly was, this is, uh, and we're going to learn this, because he says, this is the place, I'm giving you a stone, here you are. Mm-hmm. Like when you, I love you wherever you are, I love you wherever you are. we got to go back to Mateo's, that's where we propose every year, we got to go back to Mateo's. No. <laughs> 
So okay. where, is he physically in what is now Israel? No, he's Haran. We, we don't we, know. We, he's he's do we somewhere. Know where Haran is? No. On the way. Yes, we do. He's on the way from Beersheba. Right. He is in the middle of this long he's journey. Somewhere. He's wiped out. He is totally famished. And it was and this is just back to these these beautiful people who have suffered through fires. They you're gonna be okay. It's gonna be all right. And I've and I just this sense of presence. I pray for them every day, just this sense of presence. Yes. Well, I was just thinking it's it's this immersive quality of wherever you are, if you open up, you're there you're you're protected, you're you are with. There's no separation and so now take that the next step it's not just directional it's not just geographic no, it's, 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 it's wherever you are it's, it's, it's I'm not sure how, how to say it differently mm-hmm. it's not geographic it's, it's within it's the sea within and this is the beautiful it says directly from the Hebrew just think about the end of verse 13 Ay, the English. Give it to your seed, and your seed shall be like the seed of the earth. I just want, let's just be clear. I will give it to your seed, and your seed will be this diaspora. Wherever you go, I just you want to take it beyond geographic. It's unconditional. I don't care. It's not care. Yeah. Wherever you go, you're going to be great, which we say to our children every day. I mean, I know I do. I'm sorry the school is it's a tough transition. <laughs> Wherever you go to school, you're 14, you're going to hate it. I, I, didn't, I should put it in the positive. Wherever you go, you're going to learn something. <laughs> and then what do they say back? Why couldn't I go? Do you know what? I was in high school. You know, I went to Beverly. And I wanted to go to Calabasas because the guy from Silver Spoons was in drama. And I wanted to be with the guy from Silver Spoons. So my mom's like, what? Are you kidding me? You want to go out to Calabasas? Okay. We miss it. And that through you... Everybody is going to have blessing. This is the same blessing. Does this remind you of the blessing of Grandpa, of Abraham? What now? What is different about this blessing in its context? This is a this extra bonus points of the metaphor. This one is about zaracha kazar zera haaretz. This is about the dust of the earth. Does anybody remember what the blessing for Abraham in Lech Lecha was about? You should be as numerous as the stars in the sky. So what, I, I don't think that's insignificant. What is the transition from grandfather to grandson? What is this blessing rooted in? Earth. The earth. Life here. Earth. And what's the irony of that for Yaakov? He's, he's wandering all over the place. He's, he's afraid and he's going and he's going to Laban's house. He's the wandering Jew. But the Jew is ultimately rooted within history, within presence, and within place. Please. The hine, and behold, again, hine, lo, does it say lo again? 
Hinen, absolutely. Behold, Anochi. And remember, I. Now, this is very important. Anochi is a name for God, but Anochi is also the I, capital I. And as I say to people all the time, never put the E.E. Cummings, the I, small I, is saying it in a different way. The I is so powerful, like our personal selves and that connection with this God. Hine, I am with you. I will keep you anywhere you go. Yeah? I will watch over you. Shmarticha. And wherever you go, I will bring you back. El ha'adama hazot. This is irony, Mark, so we'll finish the line. I will bring you back to this soil. Kilo ezovcha. I will not let you go until I have done all that I've promised. Now, Mark, what do you want to say to this to this verse? That's just that he comes, it goes back to the first question. Where is he? Back to where you are. I'm reminded of that poem. We shall not cease our explorations, and at the end of all of our explorations, we return to the place from where we started and know it for the first time. I have another problem with this. Just give a pause for a second. Yes, or before the problem, do we think that God's blessing is literally about this particular place of the bed of stone? Isn't it clear? Because it's a dream. Anyway, this is all happening in a dream. It's not happening when he's awake. Have all, I'm, I just, I think it's a very human condition when you receive blessing or you receive, Mike, you're going to be a great teacher. Oh, I better teach high school. No, 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 no. We, we assign the location when it's really a position. That was a beautiful poem, Mark. Uh, I'd love to see that. That was beautiful. Where does you, what is your next problem? Just how... I will not let go of you. Yes. Which is saying... bring you back here. No, no, no. It says, I will not let go of you as long as I have yet to do what I have promised you. I would assume then that this is saying that at some point God's going to be done with the Jewish people and then let go of them. Why... I'm not, I don't know what the Hebrew says, but it says I'm. It's like I won't stop loving you until such and such happens. Well, wait a minute. Ooh, you're stop feeling that me? condition. Odd. And you know, <laughs> where did that come from? Odd. Up until I have done all that I have said. Now the irony there is he's actually said a lot, and I want to say, Jody, let's look closely here at verse 14 at the end. V'nivrechu v'cha kol mishpachot. Ha'adama, that I will bless through you all the families of the earth. That is also the blessing of Abraham. And then all that you do will return to the earth. So now I just want to say, Adama is, if we put it as location, I think we're too limited because he's because God is being very explicit. Like we are. I don't want to use the word pragmatic. This entire, and dreams are, right? The, oh, uh, I, I saw a cow in the middle of my, you know, and this is why dreams and surrealism is so beautiful. It's a pipe. No, this is not a pipe. Yeah, Magritte and surrealism. Uh, why I love surrealism so much because um, he's both very rooted. 
But Yaakov is now understanding Jacob's blessing in the sense of that he needs to be heavenly-centric while earth-bound. It is not enough for me to meditate and feel that I have connected with my God until I do a mitzvah on earth. Meaning, if I have a great Torah study and I don't go visit someone in the hospital, it's really not been a full day. Not quite frankly. It's not enough for me to be like, oh, I, you know, I, I thought about all the beautiful visions that we can have. Uh, good for you. Where's dinner? And yes, and action and praxis is the grounding of this theology that starts in a dream. And this is so. Vayikatz Yaakov. And it's not just waking. Bow. Has anybody woke up with that clarity from dreams like that? I, I know. I all the, That's the journal. Because what happens is you, you forget, you don't have the journal, and then you're like, oh, okay, snooze. Or pretty much I check my phone. That's why I put my phone in a closet away from... <laughs> okay, it's another story. Vayikatz Yaakov Mishnotav. And notice, it's not that he... It's from his slumber, and he says, Vayomer. He says, he's alone. Achain, truly, yes, yesh, Adonai, there is God. Bamakom, this place. There is God in God's, I would translate it as, yes, there is God in space of God. This, this, what this is, is God's presence and I do you remember I, I, I said this I capital I little I didn't know it so let me translate it differently I'm divine I have everything that I need and I didn't even know who I am or I am somebody Hashem and I'm not saying I am God that would not be rooted in this very earthly bound thing. And I just, I just want to, I did not know it. That's a very heady thing. Just remember back in August when we taught together, what is Ladaat God, Adam knew Eve? What does that mean? To know someone biblically? It's sexual, but it also Intimacy. Is, is it sexual. Union. Awareness. Absolutely. That God is within me. I, w- I wasn't even recognizing it. It's interesting that Jacob doesn't wake up and say, Oh my gosh, what a beautiful sunset. Well, sunrise. Isn't this wonderful? Isn't the world great? I didn't realize God is here. We always look for God in the spectacular in nature. And he woke up from his dream and says God was here. And to that point, Jacob is known as the prayer Ma'ariv, the evening prayer. He is related to this evening prayer. Yitzchak is the afternoon prayer, and Abraham and his Akedah was in the morning. And this is where we get the three times of prayer. But he woke up in the morning, not at night. Vayikatz Yaakov Mishnotav. When does it say in the morning? So you're saying he could have been sleeping there? And in fact, <laughs> look, verse 18. See, but wait. We have one more line. 17. Do you understand? Just read ahead, Bert. 18. Vayeshkem Yaakov. 
That means Vayikatz when he when he was like up, you're still half dreaming. Could have been in the middle of the night. Okay, uh, that. He could have awakened in the middle of the night. Well, he's he's definitely struck in this place. He's passing out. He's been running and running and running. No, it's clearly towards evening. Uh, clearly towards evening. But what I'm saying is, he rose early that morning, and this happened right before that. Therefore, it was in the morning. He was struck in the middle of the night. Well, so the but clearly Kiva Hashemesh meaning that the sun comes away. He's in the wilderness. And it's so you can't hide he's been he's really on his own. So that's why they interpret it that way. But yes, you could also say, and the Kabbalists do, uh, Kabbalah Shabbat, by the way, this, this, they were afraid of night. And so this was very much before the sun rises. It's my favorite time of the morning, by the way, before the morning. But let's get back. Vayikatz, he jumped, Vayira. I love this. He was awestruck. Vayira. Vayira. Remember this Vayera? Aw. Yes. Radical amazement. I love that too. This is the same word. Do you want to say something more about that? About the Hebrew Vayera? The Hebrew word for awe and this terror is the same. And I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So pachat is a lower uh, a sense of afraid, like, ooh, terror and awe, if you can open yourself. And this is, again, back to this woman who just looked at me with such, like, she was awed. I'm alive. I'm alive. But in English, fear and awe are very, very different. Yeah. You can't have awe in a, in a closed space of fear. And we're told the only thing you have to fear is fear itself. <laughs> Through that space. He was at the end of his rope. I mean, let's be honest. Yaakov did not trust the blessing. He did not trust his father. He did not trust his mom. Who's he supposed to trust? His brother? <laughs> okay. How awesome. And this is just, he's had an epiphany. And I don't think it's just this, well, how awesome this, this world is. I just, this dwelling place is. En, ze, ki, im. This is so hard. Not this, but if it is a house of God. I'm trying to read it literally. This is none other than the house of God already implies He's seeing this little rock of stones as the site. But I think that's, I don't want to say wrong, but I think it's much bigger. Einze, it's not this. Because if it is the house of God, this is actually my gateway to heaven. Now what is this? And what is Makom? What do you guys think? Do you think it's this pile of rocks? Do you think it's this particular Harana way? Yes. Well, I feel like the, this is a striking 
portion, uh, I think the it's a trick. I think it wants us to ask the question of where is place? And I think the actual question is when is place? When in the sense of time, like the, the Greeks, Kairos, Kronos. Yes. Not in chronological time, but when am I ready to accept and then be imbued by whatever this thing is? Okay, and then now let's take the irony a step further. When was Yaakov ready? Well, this blessing that he was given, the blessing was almost an engine. The engine threw him into motion out of his home, into the wilderness, and only at some point when he was able to, I don't know. Ready? Was he able or ready? He wasn't ready. He was at the end of his rope. <laughs> I think that's that's I, the moment. I think that's really critical because it's the powerlessness that while I'm at the end of my rope, I can do nothing more, and suddenly it emerges. We find ready in a different way. We think, it, we think we're ready. We're prepared. prepared. Really Correct. Second it out, and it's like, no, no, it's, it's it's that it's another realm. When it's empty, I think that this is the house of God and what is this? That's the gateway to heaven. Meaning, it's not this, it's not this place, it's the opportunity to stop and dream and be awed. And there is the gateway, Sha'ar Hashamayim Bav El. What is the further irony of this is the gateway of God? Where is he now? Harana? In Mesopotamia, in Babylonia, in Bab El. If you're historical about this, it's, I don't have the time, but this is actually a play on the diaspora Jews being in Bab El, in this place, thinking, oh my God, we made it. What a golden Medina. Literally. Oh, sorry. Bad. I'm not going to go there either. But, hi. This is the gateway to heaven, and the whole point is, the gateway to heaven is wherever you truly create it. It's the relationship. Relationship. It's a beautiful moment. He has this beautiful moment, and now let's watch him take a step back. Because this happens in life, right? You've had a a, a difficult challenge with a partner, and you fought, and then you have that great moment, and then you start bickering again. Just as another metaphor. I, I think so. I think they really, I think Torah is just so beautifully describing the ironies of life. So now he gets up. Okay? Now he gets up. And it's like, okay, it's a new day. And so he takes the stone that was there from, from his head. And he makes it a marker. And he puts oil on it. Has anybody seen a dry rock and when you can you totally change it? This is a ritual. He has actually done what other Mesopotamian gods were, which is to make an altar and use oil. Okay, not human sacrifice, not animal sacrifice, but he's making this stone. And then what does he say? Bab El. 
and he calls it the house of God, the ulam Luz. I love that. That's just an aside, a historical <laughs> aside. Originally, it was called Luz. So, but then Jacob, the Yidor Yaakov Neder, the rabbis do not like vows. God gives an unconditional situation. Oh, with five minutes left. It's just too deep. When we are given unconditional uh, love, we immediately put it in conditions and we limit it. And that can be sad. But I want to say, in light of these fires, as I read this prayer, I just want to be open and say, yes, God wants conditions to our lives in order to express mitzvot. Ways that I can say, if I do this, then that means that I love you. Do I need to give my partner flowers on Friday? I don't have to. He or she may know that I love her. And yet, by giving flowers on Friday, we are setting conditions for how we create relationship. I'm just trying to show the two sides of this. More cynically, I say, oh, it was so beautiful. They had this love, and anywhere he was, he would be blessed. And he says, if God is with me and watches over me on this path and gives me bread and clothes, and I return safely to the Father's house, then God will be my God. And here's the stone I set up, and this is the house of God. I mean, that's cynical. And I, you know, and I've been there. I've been there. If births, you give me four years and a stipe and a this, then I'll be your rabbi. Silly. Once you begin a relationship, you're in it. You're in it. You're in it. Now, of course you have conditions. What about what you hear from the people who survived Auschwitz? So this is the flip. This is the flip, which is, you know what? To survive is not, un- this is not too much to ask. Yes. Then, see, it's not, see, for, I, that was my cynical, I just want to give two sides of this. That's the fear-based. Well, if you do that and that and that, we can do this. But the awe space is, yes. Vahaya Adonai, and behold, God, you're me, you're my God. Adonai, this personal God for me, will be this great universal God. This is just a marker. And this is why those little piles of stones, when I see that, I, I'm not like it's, it's idolatry. Someone has taken the intentionality to pile a sack of stones and clearly prayed in that space. And is it too much to ask? I just want, you know, my kids need chicken tonight. And yes, I make sandwiches in the morning. And if they have sandwiches and they have chicken and there's a little television in the middle, some homework, it's a good day. Is the Hebrew as conditional as the English? Yes. The English is very conditional. Yes. But, so now, but you know that I, I'm really trying, and it's almost pretzel-like the way you have to reinterpret. But yes, because the Ned there, the vow that he makes was unconditional. God didn't say, and if you vow at this moment, right. all of a sudden he says, and therefore. Okay. When God just said, wherever you go, it's going to be okay. Okay. If you go to college and you do a 401k, you'll have retirement. 
Not that I don't, you know, these are very important things, but I just, I, and I want to end in this, in this capacity. Thank God for our bread. And thank God for our homes. And thank God for our families. And it's not that God wouldn't be my God, but I am truly grateful for the support and the kindness of this this universe and wherever I go I need to set that stack of stones to say I know my blessed I know the Yadati there is divine in each of these spaces that we share and that is a blessing that is humble and earth that is very earthy to just say you know what food home shelter that I can come return to my father's house that is a tremendous blessing and uh, it's certainly a blessing that I wish for the community in Malibu and for our families and friends and, and for all of us that feel a little far on this wandering way towards uh, Babelwa.